0: Follow Covert on Spotify, or subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Today's episode of Space Nuts is brought to you by Moonshot, a new podcast from Lawson Media. Find out more at www.moonshot.audio. 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 10. 10- Sequence star. Space Nuts. Five, four, three, two, one, two, three, four, five, five, four, three, two, one. Space Nuts. Astronauts report it feels good. Hello again, and thank you for joining us on the Astronomy podcast known as Space Nuts. I'm your host, Andrew Dunkley, and with me, as always, my partner in crime and the cosmos, Fred Watson from the Australian Astronomical Observatory. Hi, Fred. <laughs>
1: Uh, From one astro-criminal to another, (laughs) hello Andrew.
0: (laughs) Good to be with you again Fred and in this episode we are going to look at a potential potential major discovery on Saturn's moon Titan. This has got a lot of people excited which uh, if if held true uh, could be uh, one of those discoveries we have been fairly excited about uh, uh, and talked about many many times. Uh, We also have the unusual situation where financial accounting meets a universal recession, and and more water on the moon than we first thunk. So uh, we'll look at those later, but uh, this potential discovery, and I'm saying potential because uh, I'm not sure they're quite to the confirmation stage yet, but Saturn's moon Titan may have revealed a, a pretty incredible secret.
1: Uh, indeed, it may have. Well, indeed, it already has, actually, Andrew. The the the, uh, the molecule in question has been detected in Titan's upper atmosphere. So what molecule are we talking about? Well, we're talking about something called vinyl cyanide. And of course, you and I, as soon as any word comes out that's got cyanide attached to it, we reel with horror. A lot of uh, yeah, alarm bells start ringing. Uh, and in, in fact, we talked about cyanide recently. We talked about uh, methyl isocyanate, which is another horrible compound uh, that's also been found uh, out in space. But the vinyl cyanide uh, detection uh, actually has come indeed from the same telescope that measured the, uh, the, the the methyl isocyanate a little while ago. It's ALMA, the Atacama Large Millimeter the a- Atacama. It's too early in the morning. Alma, the Atacama Large Millimeter Array, an array of telescopes at about five thousand meters high up in the high Atacama, not very far from San Pedro de Atacama. Uh, this is a radio telescope essentially that looks at, particularly looks at molecules. The you know the, the, these atoms joined together to form the chemical compounds that we're all familiar with. And the news from Alma is that they have detected vinyl cyanide in the upper atmosphere of Saturn's moon, Titan. Now, Titan, of course, one of the most interesting places in the solar system, certainly the only other place in the so- known in the solar system, in fact, the only other place known in the universe uh, so far, apart from the Earth, that has bodies of liquid on its surface. Mm. It's got seas, of of methane and ethane on its surface, an atmosphere that is uh, largely nitrogen but uh, has a fair bit of methane and ethane in it, making this kind of hydrocarbon smog that uh, blankets uh, Titan in this fairly horrible brown, foggy atmosphere. Um, However, uh, many people think Titan is a model for the early Earth, that it's a bit like the Earth was um, in its early history, in its pre-biotic history, if I can put it that way, before life existed. Uh, with one big difference uh, on Earth, of course, being nearer to the sun uh, and in the sun's habitable zone where the temperature's just right for liquid water to exist, uh, the, Earth, the, the life on Earth formed with water as the working fluid. But on Titan, the working fluid for any life might well be this um, liquid natural gas, methane and ethane. Uh, and what is uh, what is exciting scientists about the discovery of vinyl cyanide is it's a molecule that we use actually on Earth in the um, manufacture of things like synthetic rubbers, plastics or all these polymers that, mm. um, you know, that we use in everyday life. Uh, and that gives you a, a hint as to what its role in nature might be, because it could be a mechanism for forming cell membranes. In other words, um, a, a membrane. That will actually hold in the genetic components of, say, um, you know, a microbe based on uh, on hydrocarbons rather than based on water. Uh, it's uh, thought that it will will be easier for life to kick off if you've got some method of holding the working working fluid in a. You know, in a fairly confined volume, rather than just having these molecules wandering around in in, in the open sea, for example, here on Earth, or the open uh, uh, Ma- uh, Titanian sea uh, upon Titan, there, because there, there are seas on Titan, the the, the the liquid is is not water; it is, as I said, liquid natural gas. So maybe, just maybe, um, this might provide a way that. Uh, microbial life of a very different kind from what we find on Earth could kick off on Titan. That's why everybody's excited.
0: But they're not suggesting that there is life on Titan, they're just suggesting there are signs that life could develop at some stage, or are they saying
1: there might have been in the past? It it, it may even be there already. Okay. Um, So the detection is of these molecules high in the atmosphere of Titan, but actually that's where ALMA looks. But uh, there seems to be a deal of confidence that such molecules will find their way down to the surface because there's, well, there's, there's rain that falls on Titan. It's not water rain, it's it's methane rain. Um, and uh, there's a kind of haze of particles that drifts down from, uh, from the upper atmosphere of Titan. Maybe these uh, molecules have been carried down with that and maybe there are enough of them, uh, you know, around uh, around near the surface for cell walls to have formed and for, um, you know, early biology to be taking place. There, there is another uh, little snippet to this story. Uh, it's, it goes back to the very early days of the Cassini space probe. Of course, Cassini's still in orbit around Titan mm. until the 15th of September. Uh, this, these measurements weren't made with Cassini. They were made with ALMA, as I said. But Cassini made some measurements... Um, of a depletion of hydrogen and acetylene near the surface of some of these lakes and seas on Titan. This is back 12 years ago, uh, 11 years ago. Um, that uh, was uh, something that excited astrobiologists because there had been a prediction made that if you had uh, if you had uh, you know microorganisms which used ethane and methane as their working fluid, they might. Uh, consume acetylene and breathe hydrogen (laughs) both both these things are actually depleted near the surface of the lakes i don't know whether that observation has ever been confirmed but it's one of these things that just hints gently towards perhaps titan having living organisms maybe not now but in the future
0: wow that would be incredible and something you and i have sort of hinted at time and time again that it's only a matter of time before we we finally make this discovery. What what interests me, Fred, just as a sideline question, um, is how is it that a radio telescope can detect these things? It it sounds like we're talking about a physical object and a radio telescope sounds like something that doesn't actually pick up physical objects. So how does that work?
1: Well, uh, so so what radio telescopes do is they look for... Um, um, molecules in a state of excitement. So uh, a visible light telescope, uh, we look at, if we're looking at a cloud of gas, excited gas in space, we look at the way the atoms of that cloud of gas behave and we can tell what the gas is made of by the response of the atoms same thing happens with molecules but in in radio telescopes so um you know uh, alma is particularly good at probing uh these gaseous envelopes whether are discs of uh gas around protostars stars that are just forming or around places like Titan, and particularly good at sorting out what molecules are there
0: so if there is life on titan in some form or another how long before we could either confirm or deny
1: the existence of life? Yeah, I know that's a, that's a trick. You know, it's um, look. There are um, missions being planned to Titan, but they're only in the very very early stages. Mm. Uh, and these things have a twenty year lead time. And then it's it's kind of um, well, it was seven years for Cassini to get to Saturn uh, from from the Earth. That's the kind of typical journey time. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's not a quick process. So. I hope space nuts um, might still be going by the time such a mission is launched, but we might be getting pretty hoary in the shells of the nuts by then.
0: You never know. Well, we'll you never know. Yeah. Uh, well, when you're talking astronomy, you're sometimes talking billions upon billions of years. So you know, we've got a lot of work to do. <laughs>
1: absolutely Mm.
0: all right Uh, we certainly will watch this one with interest you're listening to space nuts with andrew dunkley and of course fred watson space nuts now fred um i don't know if you're aware of this but uh, in my youth i studied accounting but um i was very bad at it and that's why i got into radio and journalism instead uh but now i see that Financial accounting meets a universal recession. I mean, that's not really what we're talking
1: about, but it's not far off the mark from what I can read here. What are we talking about? Yeah, so we're talking about some science that's actually been done here in Australia uh, it, um, at the University of Melbourne. Uh, I said, well, it's led, it's led uh, from the University of Melbourne. It is an international collaboration. But this is um, all about the sort of checks and balances in the way early galaxies operated. And it's um, it, the, 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 the uh, uh, analogy is being made that it's similar to the way checks and balances operate in the financial world. But uh, it refers to um, the formation of galaxies in the early universe and actually <clears throat> Melbourne astronomers are particularly good uh, at a number of universities at modelling the way early galaxies uh, actually operated and how how they built their populations of stars from the raw hydrogen gas that was really the, the raw material of the universe at that time, so but this t- story is about the delicate balance that you need to achieve between the uh, the, the hydrogen supply and the formation of stars, and it 's uh, something that astronomers have thought about a lot. Uh, but there's clearly new work being done on this, and it's now being as i said painted in a slightly um uh, accounting way mm. so what what happens in the early universe the 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 universe to start with um consisted mostly of hydrogen, a lot of helium, and also this stuff called dark matter, which is um, one of the big mysteries because we don't really know what it is but all that together uh it was You know, not um, just a uniform cloud of stuff. It had uh, fairly dense concentrations that formed in it over the first few hundred million years of the existence of the universe. And these dense concentrations tended to collapse under their own gravity. That's what happens in space. Um, If you've got a gas there, you'll find little concentrations start building up um, and and actually filaments between them as well because of their own self-gravity. So that's happening, this hydrogen uh, rapidly turns into stars in the middle of these dense concentrations uh, because as hydrogen uh, collapses, it compresses, that pushes the temperature up. Eventually, the temperature hits the uh, 15 million or so degrees that is needed for uh, fusion to start taking place, and you've got a star. And, of course, with huge quantities of gas, you build up star cities, you build up the... uh, um, you know the 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 nuclei of galaxies, and that's how we think galaxies form, but there is uh, clearly a balance required in terms of the 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 fresh gas that's in falling under gravity the what what we call the infalling gas mm. and the and the way that's being converted into stars uh, so you 've got two processes here: the gravitational collapse of of the cloud of hydrogen with the gas in falling, and the stars themselves compressing that gas and using it to, to, to form, basically to, to make stars. Uh, and so this uh, work suggests that uh, in the early universe and the first galaxies, there was, uh, there was more gas than could be coped with. So you've got these, this gas piling into the center of what would become a galaxy and it being turned into stars, but the stars aren't keeping pace. With the gas that's that's falling in and so it's an oversupply basically uh, and that is the suggestion of why there was a galactic recession because an oversupply of gas uh, whilst there's furious growth as they describe it going on uh, in the centers of these galaxies uh, nevertheless um, it, it means that uh, you know that, that, that there is a, de- a deficit of stars forming. Um, and so they've uh, the astronomers have basically charted how all that relates to what we know of the history of the uh, of the universe, and they say that indeed in the early in the early uh, few hundred million years the galaxies do indeed grow very rapidly, um, but uh, that is much faster than the star formation processes we see today. And so what they su- suggest is that eventually there will be a time. When um, they, you know, it went the other way. The stars are the stars are prolifically forming and leaving a deficit of incoming gas, and that would tend to trigger uh, the, you know, the slowdown of star formation and galaxy formation. And so, what they paint is a picture of a very delicate balance between uh, the supply of gas and the formation of stars, and that is a balance that, in the rather more settled universe that we live in today. Uh, that has been achieved in a more satisfactory way. You know that you 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 have um, a, a relatively constant rate of star formation. Indeed, uh, taking place in our own galaxy, for example.
0: Mm. Well, it's all good and well until the intergalactic taxman turns <laughs> up.
1: Uh well that's right. Look um uh, I think you've got to refer to it as an intergalactic tax person because we really don't know or a tax alien. A tax creature, there you are. We don't know what form that might take. No. Um uh, but it, but it, I think there are you know there are clearly uh uh, natural, you know, thermostatic measures that that uh, come into play with with such events. An interesting paper, uh, one that um, I'll keep an eye on because I, I don't think I've fully understood it yet. I think there are details in this paper that I have yet to get to grips with.
0: Fair enough, but, but uh, just uh, I guess to cut the story to its nub, uh, <coughs> where are we in galactic financial circles right at the moment? <laughs>
1: I think we're in a fairly uh, reliable economy. It's not a bull market. It's not a bear market. It's, you know, it's sort of churning along in a fairly happy state, which is what you'd sort of hope, really, because you want stability in a a universe that is going to nurture living creatures. Indeed.
0: All right. Very interesting and... One that we probably won't see much change in for a very long time, I would expect.
1: We'll talk about it again in a billion years. How's that? <laughs> Sounds like a plan.
0: <laughs> All right. This is Space Nuts with Fred Watson and Andrew Dunkley. What a match And what a team, Mike. Metro PCS and the iPhone SE for $0 on a network that covers 99% of people in the U.S. Oh, impressive. <clears throat> Play with the best. Switch to Metro MetroPCS and get a 32 gig iPhone SE for zero dollars. Metro MetroPCS coverage not available in some areas. Plus, sales tax and ten dollar activation fee. Claim based on talk and text. Not valid for active numbers currently on our t T-Mobile network or active on Metro MetroPCS in the past ninety days. See store for details and terms and conditions. Okay, we checked all four systems and everything was a go. Space nuts. This episode of Space Nuts is brought to you by Moonshot. Now, Moonshot is a new podcast from Lawson Media and it explores seemingly impossible technology ideas and the people trying to make them happen. Now these are ideas that are real, that might just change the world as we know it. The show covers topics like self-driving cars, Mars space travel, artificial intelligence, and even the people trying to integrate technology with your body and your mind, which is just a mind explosion in itself. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can get more information on the show at their website, www.moonshot.audio. Space Nuts. Last but not least, Fred, we are going to another moon. We talked about Titan earlier, but uh, we're going to talk about our own moon now, Luna. Luna. And the, uh, we, we've known for a while that it's, uh, it's got water around the poles, but now they're starting to think it's got more extensive um, supplies of water than, than, we, than we ever thought, which would come as some surprise because most people would uh, anecdotally be thinking that the moon is a dry, barren, hostile dud of a place. It is not.
1: You're talking about my favourite celestial object, there, Andrew. <laughs> <Whoops>. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, it is. I just, I just love the moon. I, um, I you know, it's uh, it's what, what I, I, I guess it goes back to my youth when. Uh, I first borrowed a a fairly decent telescope from one of the teachers at my school and pointed it at the moon and I was just blown away. (laughs) It was fantastic. So um, all of that uh, has conspired to make the moon a a place of some scientific interest to me during my career. Uh, And this is great stuff. Um, We've known, as you said, we've known for a while that there is actually um, water ice uh, in a fairly strong supply near the poles of the moon uh, and it's basically in the uh, in the bases of craters that never see the light of the sun these are craters that uh, you know that are always in shadow and so uh, that means the temperature down there is always in the order of minus 150 celsius or something like that so uh, if you have uh, say a comet that collides with the moon back in early history uh, that comet um, will actually, release water uh, h2o good old h2o mm-hmm. uh, which uh, is frozen uh, and basically is deposited in these craters, so we think that 's where that came from. but this story is about uh, water actually in the mantle and the uh, the, the, the crust of the moon um, and that is uh, water in a slightly different form. It's it's water that's basically bonded with uh, atoms in the soil of the moon. So it's it's you know it's it's within the silica, the silicates, and things of that it's, sort. It's, it's mud, isn't it? That's what it is. <laughs> um, well, yeah, if you, if it was at um, room temperature, it would probably turn into mud. That's right. Mm. That's uh, there. You go. So so this stuff is um, uh, has long known to be there too, because there've been. Experiments where spacecraft have collided with the moon and uh, scientists have looked at the plume of of material that comes up and analysed the way it, it glows and what, uh, what its spectrum tells you about its contents. Uh, and that reveals uh, the presence of water. But these are some new observations that have been made basically uh, just by looking uh, in detail at the way uh, the... the, the um, surface of the moon reflects light uh, as the moon goes around its orbit around the earth because it, the moon's clearly illuminated from different angles as as it goes through its through its monthly cycle and it goes through its phases so they have looked at things like the what are called pyroclastic deposits the uh, these remains of gigantic Uh, magma eruptions from deep down within the the moon's uh, interior. And and they are spread across the surface of the moon. They've looked at that uh, and uh, essentially uh, found that the signature of water in those reflections is very strong. Uh, and stronger than has been expected. Uh, we knew from the the uh, lunar soil brought back from Apollo astronauts that there was water contained within the uh, actually some of the volcanic deposits in the Moon. It's in these uh, little volcanic glass beads. You find mm. there is a signature of water in there. And what these uh, scientists have done, and they're based in the USA, is that they have... Uh, extended that to areas of the Moon's surface where the Apollo astronauts didn't visit. So the suggestion is that water is everywhere uh, in, uh, in, uh, in, in the Moon's surface. And it may well be that that is water that could be extracted by future astronauts visiting the Moon. Uh, it could be extracted actually to make rocket fuel, because you, if you've got water, you can separate it into, uh, into um, uh, atoms of hydrogen and oxygen.
0: Yeah, I, I think it was fairly darn lazy of the Apollo astronauts not to cover more ground while they were up there. I mean, you know, they probably <laughs> use excuses like, uh, we didn't have the technology, there wasn't enough yeah. air, yeah, yeah. We, we would have run out of fuel. I mean, come on, guys. But it is (laughs) They did their best. They did their best. (laughs) I know. They they did a great job. It's incredible.
1: Absolutely fabulous. As I've said many times before, one of the greatest achievements of humankind. The (laughs) other interesting thing about
0: this is that we already knew this on Mars. We knew that there was a lot more Martian water than we first thought. We always thought Mars was a barren, dead, dry planet. And it's proven not to be. And now the moon is looking... Very similar in terms of its um, its contents of water, so it 's starting to look like water is a much more prevalent commodity to use an accounting analogy analogy again in the universe than than, um, than we might have thought
1: yeah, if there was one single um, piece of new knowledge about the solar system that's occurred within the last decade or so that I think is staggering. and It's exactly what you just said, that water is everywhere. Uh, and um, particularly, you know, the, the outer the moons of some of the outer planets, Pluto and some of those Kuiper Belt objects out there, they're mostly water, they're frozen water. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's uh, everywhere. It's not really surprising that we have oceans on our wonderful temperate planet. And, of
0: course, when uh, you and I have spoken about this in the past, we've always, uh, I think most of science agrees, where there's water, there is potential life. and It's certainly everywhere. on Earth. It's everywhere. Yeah. So um, on, on Earth
1: it is everywhere, that's indeed. right. Indeed, yeah, so yeah. watch, watch this space.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely right. All right. Uh, thank you, Fred. As always, interesting and enjoyable. Uh, we um, we we do um, get a lot of questions from people now, and uh, we're getting more and more followers uh, on Facebook, and uh, and our download numbers are really increasing. So, thank you if you've uh, recently joined Space Nuts, because we do appreciate the support, and we certainly do encourage you to send us some questions, uh, which you can do via our Facebook page or or via Twitter these days. We seem to be uh, rolling along pretty well in uh, in the Twitter sphere as well. So, uh, please keep all those uh, questions or just comments, for that matter, coming. We uh, we do love to hear from you. Fred, uh, thank you so much. We will catch you again next time.
1: Sounds great, Andrew. I look forward to that and uh, take care.
0: That's Fred Watson from the Australian Astronomical Observatory. And from me, Andrew Dunkley, thank you for listening to Space Nuts. We will be back with a new edition very, very soon. Space Nuts. You'll be listening to the Space Nuts podcast. Listen Subscribe to the full podcast on iTunes, Audioboom and Stitcher or your favourite podcast distributor.
1: This has been another quality podcast production from sites.com.
0: Today's episode of Space Nuts was brought to you by Moonshot, a new podcast from Lawson Media. Find out more at www.moonshot.audio. Welcome to Mafia, a new podcast telling stories of America's criminal underworld. Gotti assumed the position of head of the Gambino family. And using the name Donnie Brasco, I was able to infiltrate the uh, Bonanno uh, crime family in New York City. Bugsy Siegel is an American mob legend.
1: One man change the whole texture and landscape of crime in America.
0: Listen to Mafia every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows.